Hallelujah. Would you stand together with me and let's welcome Jeremy and Jocelyn and thank God for the gift he's given us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. Good morning. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for all that's happening in this place. I thank you for this church. Thank you, Father, for bringing us all together. Lord, we come with great expectation this morning because you're here. Father, I thank you that uh, where two or more are gathered in Jesus' name, he's here with us. We thank you, Father, that your word is here, and it does not return to you void, but accomplishes that which you sent it to accomplish and prospers in the thing for which you sent it. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, all the ingredients are here for a miracle. All the ingredients are here. Father, we've got people in faith. We've got your Holy Spirit here. We've got your word here. We've got the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that all the ingredients are here for mighty miracles. So we expect them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, that's good. Amen. We'll get it done one way or the other. Praise God. Good to see you all. Uh, good to be back here in Geneva. Praise God. Let me, real, uh, real long drive from the harbor in Ashtabula this morning. So it's so nice to have a short trip. You know, it's like so. It's so. Um, how can I say it? It's so. Uh, yeah, it's refreshing. I was gonna say it's so. Uh, it's so economical. You get just. You still get in ministry. You still get to minister to people without the drive. You know. Praise God. It's, it's good. But uh, we're just, you know, we love you guys. We're so happy to be back here, and we're partnered with you guys, and got a lot of stories, testimonies of what God's been doing. And uh, I'll, I'm going to share some of those throughout the message, and as we get to the end, I'll share some things of what's been going on. There's been a, a passage on my heart, if you'll turn with me to John 9. Uh, the last couple months, it's just kind of been strong on my heart, and I've been preaching on it as the Lord has directed me. John chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 1. It's one of the stories of a blind man healed in Jesus' ministry. And there's this particular verse that we'll read here in a minute that has particularly been on my heart and speaking to me. Uh, John chapter 9, and starting in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he, when he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Amen. Amen. That's a good testimony. And it's been verse, uh, well, let me back up a notch here. You know, there's been a lot of misunderstanding about this passage. Uh, people have said, well, you know, who, who sinned this man or his parents that he would be blind? And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Uh, something you got to notice that the confusion has been, well, did Jesus or did God make this man blind so that later, uh, later he could see and it be a testimony uh, to to give glory to God. Now, there's something interesting. Study carefully the words of Jesus. Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be seen. Now, understand this. The works of God didn't start until the miracle took place in the man's eyes. Are you following me? He said that the works of God might be seen. In other words, the works of God hadn't been seen yet. 
So in other words, that blindness, that was somebody else working and not God. Are you getting it? He said that the works of God might be seen. So he's talking, are you understanding? He's saying it's about to happen. The works of God hadn't been seen yet. The works of God were the man be receiving his sight, not the man being made blind. Amen. Uh, he said that the works of God might be seen. And he said, we must work the works of him that sent me. We'll get to that. But you see that there's been some confusion about that. Who sinned, this man or his, or his parents, that uh, he would be born blind? Jesus said, neither the man nor his parents, but that the works of God might be seen. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're about to see the works of God. The work that made the man blind weren't the works of God. Wasn't the works of God. Amen? Now, there's a couple, you know, we could break this down. But there's a couple things, you know, that's important to understand. People misunderstood this. Now, there's an amazing thing about God. You know the scripture that says all things work out to the good for those who love God. Isn't that good? It doesn't say that he causes all things. But he could do an amazing thing in our lives. He could take something that's happened to us. He could take something that the devil's done and meant for our destruction, and he can make a positive out of it. It's not that he caused it. It's not that he did it. It's not that he was the source of it. But he can take a situation like that and make it a testimony that gives him glory. Now, you think about somebody like the woman with the issue of blood. She had been sick for 12 years. She spent all that she had on physicians. Now she's not better. She's worse. Uh, she spent everything she had. So now she's broke. She's sick. God didn't cause all that. But he moves in that situation, not only heals her, but her testimony that has been passed down for thousands of years has been such a, who knows how many people have been healed because of the testimony of the woman with the issue of blood. God didn't cause that in her life. God was not the source of her issue of blood. God was not the source of her sickness, but he was able to step into that situation and actually make it better than if it hadn't happened. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's, that, that, is what, that is as much of a miracle as her being healed is God was able to take a negative and make it a positive and make it better than if it never happened at all. God wasn't the source of it. He wasn't the source of that issue of blood, but he was able to take what the devil meant for harm and make it a tool that would actually spread healing in other people's lives, that would inspire other people's faith to release their faith and overcome their obstacles. And so then here, because this woman had suffered, God made her a testimony and countless thousands have been set free because she was set free. Turn that sickness into a tool for people's freedom and victory. Amen. So here we see it's similar in this situation. Jesus said, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be seen. And so the works of God are about to be seen. Now, I like to use this illustration just to help to clear things up for people. Uh, you know, if, the, if sickness was the work of God, Jesus would have had a hand in it. In other words, if sickness was the work of God, there would have been at least one person that Jesus plucked out their eyes and made them blind and said, you might not understand this now, but you know, people are, you're going to be closer to me because of it. And don't try, you don't, don't question that. You know, there would have been at least one person. Everybody say one person. <laughs> if, if sickness was the work of God, you know, Jesus would have had his hand in it because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. There would have been at least, there would have been at least one person that Jesus knocked out their kneecaps and made it so they couldn't walk and said, you know, just trust me, my child, this is going to, you know, people around you, you'll go closer to me. Your relationship with me is going to go stronger in the sweet by and by. You'll understand there would have been at least one, one person. Isn't that right? 
at least one. I mean, he healed thousands. It recorded, there was thousands of people healed in the Bible. There's 19 individual testimonies, but we know that he goes from village to village, and the Bible says he healed them all, he healed them all, he healed them all. And we know the kind of crowds we're talking about, amen, when, when he multiplied the fish and the loaves. He fed 5,000 men that didn't count the women and the children, probably 15,000 people there. And if you think, and probably, uh, you know, natural history tells us at that time, probably 40% of those people were seriously ill just because of where medical science was at the time and he's and he healed every one of them we're talking about thousands of people healed in Jesus's three-year earthly ministry thousands of people you think at least God would have given us one example of one person out of those thousands that Jesus went up to and broke an arm or you know hit him on the head or set him on fire and said well you know you don't understand this this is but you'll understand are you hearing me if sickness was the work of God, Jesus would have had his hand in it. If sickness was the work of God, the church would have its hand in it. We do his work, isn't that right? In other words, at the end of this service, you know, we wouldn't just have a healing line. We'd have a healing and a sickness line. And I'd say, now just wait on the Lord. Ask him what line you're supposed to get into. Maybe he wants you to get into the sickness line. And maybe he wants to put some sickness on you. No, it would look like that. If sickness was the work of God, we would have a role to play in it. Because we're here to do his will. How many want to do the will of God? I mean, it's true. If, if that's what God did, that's what we do. We're co-laborers with him. We work together with him. Now, Jesus said, well, they said, why was this man blind? Because of his parents' sin, because of his sin. Jesus said, neither, but that the works of God might be seen. And then he healed him. That was the work of God. And then Jesus says this in verse 4. Everybody say, healing, healing. is the work of God. But in verse 4, this is what Jesus says. He says, John 9, 4, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now, I'll say a little bit about this night that's coming. Some people think there's going to be a time, you know, like they, they, these doom and gloom, predicting doom and gloom, that it's going to get so dark in the earth that the church is not going to be able to work and, and do, the, you know, do the work of the gospel. Not true. Uh, we are the light of the world. Jesus is in us. It can't get dark until the church is gone. Not this darkness that Jesus is talking about. Nobody could work after the church is gone and Jesus is gone, of course. Amen. But you see, as long as we're here, there's light here. Isn't that right? As long as we're here, there's light here. Jesus is the light of the world. We're the church. Jesus, we're the body of Christ. We're that city on a hill. It can't get dark when the light of Jesus is in the world. There's no, dark, there's no darkness that could overcome the light of Jesus. There's no darkness that could overpower the light of Jesus that's in the church. There's not going to be some time where all of a sudden the Bible becomes of no effect and darkness is more powerful than, than, the, than the name of Jesus, than the power of God. No. But the thing that Jesus says here, the real point, is what he says in the first half of that scripture. We must work the works of him who sent me. Amen. Everybody say we. we. He said we must work the works of him that sent me. There's a work that we must do. Right. We must do it. He didn't say we should do it. He didn't say we could do it. He said we must do these works. I'm reading out of the NASB this morning. It says we and uh, the King James says, I, but the, in the NASB, it says, we must work the works of him that sent me. We must. He's talking to his disciples. And uh, Pastor uh, 
Ray and I were talking this morning in his office. Both of us heard in Bible school that the NASB is supposed to be the most accurate of all the translations. So I usually preach out of that and study out of that. And I like to look at other translations and get a feel, you know, for, uh, for a scripture and see what they're saying to get a broader understanding of it. But NASB is supposed to be closest to the Greek and Hebrew in Old and New Testament. And here Jesus says, we must work the works of him that sent me. We must. There's a work that we must do in this age. And what work was he talking about? He wasn't talking about going around and hurting people, like we said. He wasn't talking about going around and making people's lives harder and worse and bad. He was talking around Acts 10, 38, says Jesus went about doing good. He did good work. Not only did he do good work, but he did supernatural work. He didn't just help the people in natural ways, but he helped them in a way that was supernatural, beyond what this world can produce. That's how he wants to help you. And this is the work that the church must do. Amen. We must do it. Say it again. Say we must do it. Matthew 28. Let's turn there real quick. Matthew 28. Jesus says this. Matthew's account of the Great Commission. Verses 19, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. So I want to give you some reasons why we must work these works, the works of him that sent us, why we must do this work. First reason is because Jesus commanded it. He said, whatsoever things I've commanded you, teach them to observe. What did Jesus command his disciples? He commanded them to whatever city you enter, heal the sick therein. Heal the, Matthew t- heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Freely it's been given, freely give. Did Jesus command his disciples to heal the sick? He said, whatsoever things I've commanded you, teach them to observe them. We've got to, we've got to observe these things and we've got to teach these things. We must do this work. Why else must we do this work? We have no other testimony. Uh, Excuse me. We have no other pattern for ministry in the New Testament. When Jesus went out and he practiced this pattern everywhere he went, and every representative that he sent out, he sent them out to do the same thing, didn't he? Every representative, when he sent out the 12, he sent them to heal the sick. When he sent out the 70, he sent them to heal the sick. And then in Mark 16, when he sent us out, he said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. If you're looking for a model of what New Testament ministry is supposed to look like, you need to look no further than the ministry of Jesus and his direct disciples that followed him as they went out. It's pretty clear. We have one model for what New Testament ministry should look like. This is a work that we must do. Amen? Another reason that we must do this work is because Jesus said there's a scripture. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. I'll read it. You could jot down the reference if you want to study it out later. John 4, 48, Jesus is talking to a man right before he works a healing in his family's life. It was this child, and Jesus says this. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. Let me say that again. John 4, 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. If there was people like that in Jesus' day, do you think there's people like that today? Are there people in Geneva who the only thing that stands between them and the kingdom of God, the only thing that stands between them and an eternity spent with the loving God is a manifestation of God's power, a sign and a wonder. 
This is what Jesus is saying. He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. And this was not a rebuke. He was not. He was just stating a fact because immediately after that, he worked a sign and a wonder and the man believed. Isn't that good news? You people simply will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. If that was true in Jesus's day, certainly it's true today. Last time I was here, I shared the story of a young guy named Vinny who came into one of our services in Georgia. 21-year-old guy, he comes in on a, it was a Sunday night service. He had actually come to the Sunday morning service first, and uh, the pastor's daughter had invited him. He came to the service reluctantly, unbeliever, said, I don't believe in any of that stuff. You people go to church. I don't go to church. He came dragging his feet, came to the Sunday morning service. The pastor, the young guy who spoke in the Sunday morning service had just been filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence of speaking in tongues. And he, uh, he he gave that testimony. Vinny was like, "What is it? What are these people talking about?" You know, I mean, he's totally unchurched. Had nothing to do. <laughs> totally unchurched. It, so he he. But then they, he was disappointed in the Sunday morning service because he didn't hear anybody speak in tongues. He can't, he, you know, they, can't, they invited people to come forward to be filled with the Spirit, and then they took him off in a side room. <laughs> Vinny was disappointed. He said, I wanted to hear somebody speak in tongues. So he came back to the Sunday night service because they advertised it as a miracle service. And, they, and he said, I want to go back and I want to hear somebody speak in tongues. So he comes to the Sunday night service. Uh, I'm ministering. I'm, I preached on what did you come for? You know, it says of the people that came to Jesus, they came to hear and be healed. Boy, that's a good message. They came to be healed. What did you come for? That's what I'm preaching on that night. And I'm asking, what did you come for? They came for something. They came with an expectation of the supernatural. They came expecting to leave different than the way that they came in. They came to be healed. They didn't, it didn't say they came to see what's ha- what was going to happen. They came to just check this guy out and see if he was for real. It said they came to be healed. They had a purpose. They had a determination. They had an expectancy. And they came to be healed. So here I was preaching on that that night. Then we started to minister to people at the end of the service. Good things happened. There was a woman there who had really bad asthma. God opened up her lungs and back trouble and things like that. So visible miracles are happening. Vinny's watching this stuff happen, and he's thinking to himself. I didn't know any of this until later, but he's thinking in his mind. He says, you know, this seems like these people are sincere. It seems like something's happening here, but this isn't enough to change what I believe. And he said, you know, I guess if it happened to me, then I'd believe. Well, what he was talking about, he had a tumor cut out of his left ear six years earlier. And when they cut that tumor out of his left ear, it left him deaf in his left ear. So he said, I guess if it happened to me, I'd believe it. And he said, not only that, but if this guy's really hearing from God, he'd know I was here and he'd know what was wrong with me. Well, I mean, he's really making it difficult. I mean, he's pouring some water on the altar, you know. (laughs) So he's like, you know, if fire's going to come from heaven, well, then I'm going to just soak the altar. He's sitting here. So he's thinking all this in his head. Well, that minute, I mean, he completes that thought in his mind. If this guy's from God and if he's for real, then he's going to know I'm here. He's going to know what's wrong with me. At the very moment he completes that thought in his mind, I said, wait, hold on. You know, I I forgot to minister to ears because I'm just walking back and forth praying for people right in their seats as they're in this crowd, you know. And he says, wait, I said, wait, I forgot to minister for ears. So now we have his attention. So we have his attention and uh, I just commanded ears to hear. Vinny reached up and he touched his ear and he said it was like he had two earbuds in and one of them, you know, you ever have two headphones in one of them shorted out. He reached up, touched his ear. There was a quick crackle and a kind of a pop and his hearing came back, man, restored. Now, I don't know what needed to be recreated. Whatever the doctors cut out had to be made in an instant. Amen. And he was able to hear. First thing he heard was the woman sitting next to him praying in tongues. That was the first thing he heard out of that ear. Amen. 
So he was not disappointed. He came to hear somebody speak in tongues, and his ear, his deaf ear was opened up, and he heard. Praise God. Well, immediately after that, we gave an invitation, and, and he called on the name of Jesus, and he said it felt like a weight was lifted off, and he was born again, and it, and it was an amazing testimony. Wonderful thing happened. But I said all this. Now, there was a, an update to the story. This happened just about a month ago. Uh, he was driving home from work, and now he's dating a Christian girl, and he's driving home from work, and she prayed with him over the phone, and as he was driving in his car, and she's on the cell phone, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, on his way home, praise God. So not only has he heard other people speak in tongues, he's speaking in tongues himself now, praise God. But you see, like I said, you people will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. I don't know what else could have reached Vinny. I don't think, in my own opinion, I don't think anything else would have. I think he was in that category. There's some people, Jesus said, you will not believe unless you see signs and wonders. I mean, he's sitting there watching miracles happen. And he's saying, boy, if it happened to me, I guess I'd believe. And then God did it. God met him right where he was. Amen. See, God is so willing and he's so loving. And, and yeah, there's people that need that. It's not that, now there's a different thing. You say, well, what about the scripture where Jesus said a wicked and adulterous generation demands a sign? I think there's a difference in a person's heart, and God knows a person's heart, where they've already made up their mind that they're not going to believe. And they just say, well, prove it, you know, do this and do that. But in their heart, they've already decided it's not true. And they, well, if you, well, then if you, if this is true, then do this. If that's true, do that. I've come against that before. It's a different spirit. And then there's somebody who's honestly searching. Are you hearing me this morning? And they haven't been presented sufficient evidence to push them one way or the other. Are you hearing me? I think maybe with Vinny, perhaps that was the chance. Maybe he, what he had seen of Christianity, he might have had a bad representation of it. He said there might be a higher power. You know, like the scripture talks about you could look at all creation. Well, he was kind of on the, you know, I've talked to him since then several times. He was on the fence about that. There could be a higher power. He looked at creation and thought possibly there was something that created it. There was some source. But what he had seen of Christianity up to that point, he, did, he said, that's not it. That's not, what, that's, not the, that's not what it is, though. I don't know what he encountered, you know, or what he had heard or what his connection was with it. But thank God that night in that service, he met the one true living God. He met Jesus of the Bible. He met the God who created the heavens and the earth. Woke up that morning not even believing that he existed, but went to bed that night knowing for certain that he was his Lord and Savior. Amen. We must do this work. We must do the works of him that sent us, Jesus said. We must do this work. We must do it. We have to do it. We've got to do it in, in Geneva. There's nothing else. Are you hearing me? There's nothing else that will meet this, this need. There's nothing else that can fill this slot. We must do the works of him that sent me. Do you hear the urgency that the master put on it? He said we must do the work. There's an urgency to that, isn't it? He didn't say, oh, wouldn't it be exciting if we did this? Wouldn't it be nice? He said, we must. We must do the works of him that sent me. It has to be done. If we don't do it, who will? Nobody will do it because nobody can. We must do the works. Only those who, only the Buddhists can't do it. Muslims can't do it. <laughs> we must do the works of him that sent us. Amen. So, there's another reason why we must do these works, and that's because there's still sick people that need miracles. There's still people that need miracles. It's a pretty simple reason. There's people that need Jesus' healing power. That's why we must do these works. There's blind people that Jesus still wants to see. 
He wants them to be seeing. There's deaf people that Jesus wants their hearing restored. There's people that can't walk that he wants them to walk. We must do these works because there's still people that have no other hope in this world but God. There's still people that have no other answer but Jesus. There's still people that nobody could help them and nothing else can change their situation. Nothing will make their situation better except what Jesus has to offer, except these works that we're talking about. That is another reason why we as the church, we must do these works. We must do them because there is a, a, a need in mankind that can't be answered by anything else than the power of God. These works that we're talking about this morning, we must do it. The, and there's another reason that we must do it is because the love of God demands that we do it. Not only does the human need demand that we do it, but the love of God demands that we do it. Some people say, well, miracles have passed away. These aren't the days of miracles anymore. And there's such a simple, quick scriptural argument to that. And it's that the reason that Jesus healed, if you study Jesus's ministry, it said that he was moved with compassion and healed their sick. It was compassion that compelled Jesus to heal the sick. It's God's love for you that causes him to want to move in your life and want you to be healed and want you to be free. It's still the compassion that moves the power of God always follows his love it's still the compassion of God that moves him to move on our behalf and and be faithful to his word and perform mighty signs and wonders in our midst the love of God demands that we do these works even if man is will God is not willing to leave people who are suffering in the condition that they're in. We must do these works. We must work with him to see healing affected in people's lives, to see victory worked in people's lives. We must do the works. We must do with him. The love of God demands it. People say, well, miracles have passed away. It's impossible. For miracles to have passed away, God would have had to stop loving. Because it was compassion that caused Jesus to be a healer. It was his nature his very nature, the nature of God would have had to have changed. The love of God would have had to have grown cold for healing to have stopped. Even for people to say, you know, that the, 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 the cessationists, some of the traditionalists have said, well, miracles have passed away. But I'll tell you, the full gospel movements missed it in this area too. I hear people say, well, God's about to start doing miracles. And I want to say, well, when did he stop? He's about to pour this out and start doing this. When did he stop? Maybe we've stopped, but he didn't stop. God doesn't love one generation more than the, than the next. And is, so then because he doesn't love one generation more than the next, he doesn't move, he doesn't, his power doesn't, uh, isn't more available to one generation than the next. Now what we receive, like Pastor Ray was talking about it, that's a whole other story. Amen. So God doesn't move in waves, but man does. Is this helping you? So we must do these works because love demands that we do the works. We must do these works. Jesus said we must do these things. There's a lot of things that the church could do, but this is a non-negotiable. This is an essential, essential Christianity. We must do the works of him that sent us. We must do these works. Healing miracles. Jesus thought it was important enough to do everywhere he went, didn't he? Everywhere that Jesus went. It was always a part of his program. 
It was always a part of his plan. In other words, it wasn't just a special thing that he did in the Thursday night service. You know, all right, Thursday night's his healing night. It wasn't like it wasn't something that he just relegated. Once a year, I'm going to come through and we'll have a healing service. This was something that Jesus thought was important enough to do everywhere he went. This was something that Jesus thought was important enough that every representative he sent out, he made that a part of their ministry, not just a part of his ministry, but a part of every representative he sent out. Everybody that Jesus personally commissioned to represent him, he said, this is a part of your ministry. He could have taken the 12 and broken it up a different way. He could have said, now I want three of you just to minister to people's physical needs. And I want three of you just to teach on wisdom principles that'll just help people understand life better. No, he thought that this was so important that every one of the 12, one through 12, from Peter to Judas, every one of them he commissioned to go out and heal the sick. He made it a part of every one of their ministries. There wasn't an exception. Everybody that Jesus personally trained, everybody that he personally mentored, he duplicated himself into them. This was a part of what Jesus did, and he made it essential that it would be a part of what every one of his followers did. The inner circle, he said, do you see my ministry? You do it. John 14, 12, he said, whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, would they do also? He didn't say whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, they can do. He didn't say whosoever believeth in me, the works that I do, they might do. He said, if they believe in me, they will do the works that I do. If you really believe in who Jesus is and what he came to do, the works are simply an outflow of a revelation of Jesus. When he sent out those 12, he made, that, he made this kind of ministry, these works, he made it a part of every one of their ministries. And then the circle gets wider, and he sends out 70, the Bible tells us. And every one of those 70, so now we're talking about 80, we're talking about, yeah, 82 people that Jesus personally mentored. We're talking about 82 people, every one of them. There wasn't one exception. There wasn't one person that said, now I don't want you, that he told, I don't want you to focus as much on this. You know, this is not going to be that important. I'm going to use you in a different way. Every person, every person that Jesus personally commissioned, every person that Jesus personally mentored, he said, this is going to be a part of your ministry. This is going to be a part of what you do. We must do these works. And then he says this to the disciples. He says, we don't see many things that Jesus tells them we must do. He said, we must do these things. And then in the Great Commission, right as he sends them out, as we read earlier this morning, right as he sends them out in Matthew 28, he says, go and teach them, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And what did he command them to do? Everybody that Jesus commissioned, he commanded to heal the sick. He sent them out to do it. We must do this work. We must do this work because there are signs that confirm the word. There's no better way to reach this generation or any generation than the way that Jesus did it. We have not come up with a better idea yet. And a, super a supernatural message demands supernatural evidence. If we're going to say that we're the people of God, there should be some evidence to it in our lives and in our ministries. If we're going to say God has sent us and God is inside of us and God is in our midst, and if we're going to say that the same God, the same Jesus that was in the Bible, he's here in the midst of us, there should be some evidence of it. We must do these works because there should be something that sets us apart from false religion and bad doctrines. 
God always wanted to be set apart. You know, when there was this confusion on Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, they had their own religion. They had an organized religion. They had prophets. They had a clergy system, apparently. They had traditions. Bible tells us it was their tradition to cut themselves with knives. So they had everything, everything that, you know, a religion needs. I'm sure they had a way to be buried, a way to be baptized, a way, you know, they probably had that all worked out, a way to get married, all these things. They had all this stuff. They had religion, but there was confusion among the Israelites as to who was God. Well, is it Baal or is it Jehovah? God wanted him to be set apart in that situation. And he sent Elijah and he said, you build an altar. He told the prophets of Baal, we'll build an altar. And God answered with fire. God wanted there to be a clear distinction as to who was the one true living God. Did you know that in this generation, God wants there to be a clear distinction? He wants there to be a clear distinction in Geneva of who the one true living God is. He wants there to be a clear distinction. He's not a hide-and-seek God. He's not hiding out. That's a, that, boy, that's the biggest lie the devil ever told. Nothing the devil would like more than for God to be hiding out in the shadows so he could do his work. God is a show-and-tell God. He's a God of signs and wonders today, just like he's always been. He's not a God who hides out. Listen, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You walk in, you, you raise a man from the dead who's, who's been dead for four days. You're not trying to keep a low profile. In fact, after that happened, that's what pushed the Pharisees over the edge. They said, if this keeps up, the whole world's going to believe in him. We won't be able to stop him. And it's true, isn't it? But it's interesting what Jesus said here. So we know these works are essential. But Jesus didn't say, now you sit back and you watch God do the works. He said, we must do the works. We must do the works. There's a work that we must do. Isn't that right? We're co-laborers with him. What does it mean to be a co-laborer? You ever have a co-laborer that didn't pull their weight? (laughs) You ever have a co-laborer, you both got the same job, but you're doing the bulk of the work? Co-laborer means there's at least a role that both parties have to play. Maybe one does more than the other, but both people are involved in the process. It takes both of them to get the job done. This is how it is with these works. Jesus said, we must do the works. We can't, it's not just God who's going to do the works. We must do it. It's not us waiting for God. It's him waiting for us. Amen. One amen. All right. <laughs> Pastor Ray said it great. <laughs> He said that, you know, basically the things that we need of God, they were accomplished at Calvary. Isn't that right? By Jesus' stripes, we were healed. And that healing belongs to every sick person. Believer or unbeliever, today their healing has been bought. Salvation was bought on that day that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. It was bought through his death, burial, and resurrection. Salvation was bought for every lost person. And not one lost person is waiting for God to do something about their sin because their sin problem was solved, as Pastor Ray said, before they were ever born. And the lost aren't waiting for God to solve their sin problem. Jesus commissioned us to be co-laborers with him, to work with him, to bring the lost, a living Jesus, a living miracle-working Jesus. It's a work we must do. And there's no better way to bring a supernatural message than with supernatural evidence. The only place that the hand of God is seen is where the ability of man ends. That's the only place where you see God. 
is where man's ability ends. Even in creation, you can look at creation and say man couldn't have done something like this. This is more than what man could do. And so it is without, with, our, with our ministries. God has seen where things happen that are beyond the ability of man. And this is why we must do these works. We must have the supernatural in our midst because that's how people know that we're from God. That's how people know that we have God's message. They said of Jesus, no man could do these works unless God be with him. His Bible tells us in Acts that Jesus was a man attested to the world, confirmed to the world, proved to the world by signs, wonders, and miracles. And still in our generation, this is how he's proved to the world today. Amen? We must do these works. There's sick that need to be healed. There's signs that need to be performed. We need signs and wonders. We need the signs that confirm the world. We need the signs that reveal who the one true living God is. The early church, they depended on them. They knew that they needed them. This is how Jesus commissioned them. And we need these things today. We must do these works. But we're going to minister to you now because there's more. There's so many reasons. A healing miracle, you know, was the chief manifestation in Jesus's ministry. And it's such a perfect demonstration of God's power. Because not only do you see power, there's other ways to demonstrate power. But in the healing miracle, you see love and compassion. You don't just see the power of God, but you see the love of God. You see the mercy of God. In sickness, you see the curse and sin for what it is. And in healing, you see God's love for who he is. In, in healing, you see a glimpse of heaven. And in sickness, you get a taste of hell. A healing miracle is such a perfect thing because it's not just supernatural, but it's a, a visible demonstration of what God intended things to be like. There's not many people, there's not many people that would argue, even people that believe that, there's, that miracles have passed away for today. They say, well, when we get to heaven, they understand that healing is God's perfect will because they say, when we get to heaven, oh, it's gonna be great there. There won't be any sickness there. Even a person who says God doesn't heal anymore today understands that in healing, we see God clearly for who he is and how he intended things to be. We must do these works. We must do the works of him that sent us. Like I said, even a person, they say, well, I don't know if God heals all the time. But they will agree with the fact that, well, when we get to heaven, we'll all be healed. And Jesus said, pray this way. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray, pray this way. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to have heaven on earth in your life. Amen. God's plan for you. Jesus died so you could have heaven on earth. There's still things we have to deal with in this world, but it's much less than we are dealing with. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> There's things we have to deal with in this world, but I think that it's a lot less than we put up with. Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and it's gonna be pretty good when we get to heaven. Well, we're gonna pray here today. We must do these works. We must do the works of him that sent us. Tonight, we'll be back and we'll minister to people again, so bring somebody, but tonight, we're gonna talk about how to do these works, some ways how to do them, amen, <laughs> because we must do them. This morning, I wanted to give some reasons why, because there's people that need healing, very simple, because Jesus commanded us. It's an issue of obedience, because there's, because there's signs that need to confirm the word, there's so many reasons. Tonight, we'll talk about some hows. But let's pray. Uh, there's some, uh, the same Jesus 
that I talked about and we read about in this story that opened these, this man's blind eyes. He's here today to help. Amen? His power is the same. Most importantly, his compassion and love is the same. If Jesus healed this man because he loved him, I've got good news for you. He loves you today. And you can expect him to do the same for you that he did for this man. So we'll pray and you can release your faith for whatever it is that you need to, this morning. And tonight, we're going to minister to people again. And if you need something from the Lord tonight, maybe you want to wait till tonight's service. Just spend the afternoon building yourself up. When I have hands laid on me, I'll receive. Or whatever it is, just to release your faith. You could do that. And we'll minister to you tonight. But Jesus is here. Amen? Amen. Same God who's healed Vinny, that story I told, and filled him with the Holy Spirit. He's here today, and he's here to help you. Let's just pray and wait on the Lord. Jocelyn, why don't you come up? Father, we just thank you for these precious people here today. Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus' ministry. It's so clear. He went about and healed everybody. That means if Jesus was here today, and he is, by, his, by the word, by his name, that means he's here today to do the same thing he's always done. Just like when he walked into those towns and villages 2,000 years ago, and every sick person that was there, he healed them. He's here in this place to heal every sick person here, every sick person in this room, every sick person under the sound of my voice. We thank you, Lord. Jesus is not different today. He hasn't changed. He's still here to open deaf ears. He's still here to cause blind eyes to see. Lord, we thank you for it. Hallelujah. I'm just going to pray for you guys right in your seats. That's how we'll do it this morning. This is how we prayed the day that Vinny was healed and God opened up his ear. And if you need a healing, just release your faith to God today. Release, just let your faith go if, it, if, if you want to do that this morning. Tonight, we're going to lay hands on people. And if you'd like to have hands laid on you and release your faith at that point, we'll lay hands on anybody who'd like to have hands laid on them tonight. Today, we're just going to pray and release our faith for you right in your seats, right where you're at. Praise God. Father, in Jesus' name, we just take authority over every kind of sickness and every kind of disease in this place. Lord, I thank you that just like Jesus opened up Vinny's ear and created whatever needed to be created right there in that service just a few months ago, Father, I thank you right now as we command, sickness, go in Jesus' name. Every type, every type, go in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Breathing passages be clear in Jesus' name. Eyes, see. Eyes, be restored. Eyes, be strong in the name of Jesus. Hearing, be whole and hear in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you not just for Vinny. But Lord, as I've shared his testimony, I thank you for the other deaf ears that have been opened just hearing that testimony. Lord, in Jesus' name, we command ear problems to go. Clogging and difficulty, go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Knees, we command you to be strong and whole in the name of Jesus. Whatever needs to happen, if, it, if cartilage needs to be created, we thank you, Father. You're the creator. You created everything we see. You created us creation is not a difficult problem for you. Hallelujah. It's not difficult for you to make somebody whole. We thank you, Lord, even in Jesus's ministry, the maimed were made whole. Father, I thank you that in Vinny's ear, something was created that was taken out. And we thank you, Lord, for if creation is necessary, creation is possible and creation is within reach because of you, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. We just command these things in the name of Jesus. Let's just thank him for it. Lift your hands and thank him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're worthy. Just give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
if it was something that you wouldn't know unless you had a blood test or a, or a MRI or, or, or some kind of scan, just thank him in advance right now. Release your faith through your thanksgiving. Thank him that it's done. The highest expression of faith is thanksgiving. Thanking God in advance. Thanking him for the answer. Thanking him for his faithfulness. Thanking him that his word is true. Lord, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Father, we just command wholeness. The woman with the issue of blood said, I will be made whole. We command wholeness and restoration in Jesus' name. Father, just like, just like the word that was spoken by the Holy Spirit through my dad, we thank you, Father, today. It's all here for us. All we have to do is reach out in faith and receive it. And Father, we do it now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your emphasis in this church for this year of standing on the word. And we stand on your word today, Father. We stand on your word to see the sick healed, the maimed whole, the bound set free. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you want to share something? Go ahead. Um, praise God. I just wanted to encourage everybody. Um, I just have a fresh testimony, probably about two weeks old, I think. And I just wanted to share my experiences because I thought it would help some of you. Now, um, I had decided to start a uh, new workout regime the beginning of this year. And I thought, oh, let's try. And I thought I'd do 30 minutes of cardio straight. So that meant lots of jump roping. Um, <laughs> Most, mostly jump roping is really what I tried to do. And so for a half hour straight, I would try to jump rope. And then if I couldn't jump rope another second, I'd put down the jump rope and I'd do jumping jacks or I'd run or I'd, you know, do something like that. So I was just trying to, you know, do this. Well, I had done it for probably five days straight and um, just you know, I had one day I just couldn't do it, I think is what happened. And so I just didn't end up, you know, getting to where I was going to, you know, work out and stuff. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll pick up eventually. Well, the next morning I woke up, my first day not doing it, right? I woke up the next morning and my foot, my ankle is swollen, big swollen. And I mean, it was painful to put any pressure on it. It was like, it was like my body was just like, oh, okay, you know, I guess you shouldn't have skipped that day or something. I don't know. But for whatever, you'd think it would be directly after you did something to your foot that it would swell up. But no, it, it was a few days later and all of a sudden it swelled up. It was giving me pain. I, I couldn't put pressure on it. If I turned it wrong, it would just be, you know, horrible pain. So, you know, I, you know, agreed with Jeremy. We prayed over my ankle. All right. Well, you know, I'm still kind of babying myself. I'm still kind of putting the foot up, you know, when I get a chance to sit down. At the end of the day, if I'm on my feet, it's swollen real big. And Cohen's like, oh, can I give you, you know, an ice pack? And he'll put an ice pack on my foot. And I'm enjoying this, okay? I'm enjoying a little bit of coddling and, and these sweet gestures of my family. And, you know, it's not so bad, you know, you feel like. But you know what? The thing is, is you can't get comfortable in sickness, you just can't. The thing is, is it's real easy, though, to get in that mode. It's easy to just, oh, yeah, I'm believing God, but never acting like you're believing God. You know? 
It's easy, and I, I'm attesting to it. I'm, I'm giving you my testimony that I knew what that's like. I, I understand that. And so here I just go for about a week and a half. And, I mean, no change, no better change at all. If anything else, like the one day I was leaning on a cart in um, Walmart. I went to go get groceries, and I couldn't put any weight on that foot. And I was leaning fully on the cart trying to, like, hobble through the store. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So finally, Jeremy's like, you know, you really should put your foot down. And just decide, you know, because we take karate, all of us together as a family. And he said, you know, I skipped one week of karate. And I must admit, that was a very peaceful night. I had my house to myself. Everyone went off to karate and all the noise, it was just gone. And I was like, wow, I just can think clearly. You know, I don't have any freedom like that because I homeschool the kids. So I don't have any quiet in my house ever. And so I was like, wow, they all left and it's so quiet. You can get comfortable you know, just in your situation, in your circumstances, and just getting coddled and treated nicely and taking breaks from things, you know? Well, here, I didn't go to karate that first week. He's like, you should take a, you know, just decide that you're going to be healed and ready for karate Thursday, that next week. And I said, you know what? You're right. You know, and I knew it. I knew it. I was enjoying this too much. I was comfortable, you know, just dealing with a little bit of pain. I was getting comfortable there because everyone was treating me so nice. So then I was like, you, you're right. And so I just decided Thursday, that's it. I'm going to karate. I'm telling people, I'm telling my friends that go to karate too. Yeah, I'll see you Thursday. You know, I'm planning on it. Thursday, I wake up. There is no change in my foot. It feels the same. It hurts. I'm going down steps real careful and hobbling. I'm like, no, in Jesus' name, it's going to be fine limping around. So I end up going to karate on Thursday. Even though I'm, it's not looking any different, I'm going because I'm just doing this. I'm making a decision. This is it. I'm having my healing. So I go. I do everything in karate. I don't take a break at all. I do all my jumping jacks they have us do, everything they're making us do. We're doing katas that day. And so we, you know, get to the end of karate, go home. Next morning I wake up. And I'm running all over my house doing stuff. I think the phone rang or something. I had to get up and run, go do something. And I was like, realized it dawned on me after I'm running around my house, my foot doesn't hurt at all anymore. Praise God. All the swelling is gone. All the pain was gone. It was just totally healed. But guess what happened? I had to get fed up with being sick. I had to just decide I'm done with it and I'm going to act healed. All right, so I just encourage all of you that received your healing today, decide that you're healed and just act healed today. Just go out, do what you couldn't do, expect it, make plans that you weren't able to make before. Decide what's going to be different in your life today and you will see a difference because you have to act in faith. Faith is not just believing, but it is an action. Faith is an action. So go and do something you couldn't do before, and you will see God will meet you there. But you act that faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's always what Jesus would tell somebody to do. Man with the withered hand, what did he tell him? Stretch forth your hand. Man who couldn't walk, take up your bed and walk. And there's something about even giving, if you think about it, you know. When you think when you're in a tough financial situation, sometimes the best thing you could do is just release some faith and plant a seed because you're, you're acting on the reality that, that, that God's my source. Amen? And you're acting in faith. It doesn't make sense naturally, but you act in faith. Yeah, Jocelyn, you know, she limped, literally limped into the, into the dojo that night. I mean, just, you know, and I don't know, you know, you don't need to be a medical doctor to know that 
a karate class doesn't heal a broken or a hurt ankle. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's kind of the opposite effect. She should have woke up the next morning worse, but woke up better because she, it wasn't she just did it. It's not, it was nothing about the action. It was about she released her faith that believed that I'm healed and, and released her faith in the, what Jesus did and the price that Jesus paid. Now we're going to do a couple things and then we'll close here. Thank God for his goodness today. Um, we're going to pray for people. Uh, if you would agree with me, we put these messages out on our podcast and we put them out every week on the internet and for free. We just put them out to try to be a blessing to people. We just, with technology today, we could reach not only the people in this room, but we could put it out. And we usually have, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I think we've had about five, 600 people already listen to our podcast since we've been running it. Well, that's five, 600 people that weren't here in person that we were able to reach by, you know, putting it out. So praise God. So we'll do that today. So would, let's pray for the people who are going to listen to this message. And would you guys agree with me? And we'll agree, with, we'll agree for them to release their faith just like you did in this room. And let's expect testimonies to come back, that, that people will send us Facebook messages. And as they listen, maybe it's a week from now, maybe it's a month from now. But as they listen to this message and as they listen to us pray and agree for them today, thank God there's no distance in prayer. We could release our faith for them today. And they could hear this message years from now even. Release their faith and they could receive a miracle right in their home, right in their car, wherever they are, in front of their computer. God can touch them and he could heal them right where they are. Would you agree with me? Father, I thank you for today and for technology and how you're able to use it and how we could reach out beyond the confines of space and even time and reach out with our faith and see people touched and ministered to. Father, right now, people listening to this message, this podcast, Right now, I thank you that we have a story in the Bible of the centurion who came to Jesus and his servant was at home sick. And Jesus spoke the word only and that servant at home was healed. Right now, Father, we release our faith for exactly that kind of miracle for the people who are listening today. That as we agree together in this room this morning and as we release our faith and speak the word and speak the name of Jesus, that people hearing and people releasing their faith in different locations will receive the miracles that they need. Father, we thank you that you're not limited by neither space nor time. But, Lord, you are able to do this work this very day in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we command bodies to be healed. We command eyes to see. We command ears to hear. We command legs to walk in Jesus' name. We take authority over every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. We command diseases to go. Diabetes, go. Digestive problems, go in the name of Jesus. We command healing to every person listening to this message today in Jesus' name. Now, those of you who just uh, we just prayed for, do something you couldn't do before. Jesus would told the man with the withered hand, stretch forth his hand. He told the man who couldn't walk, rise up and walk. If it was your lungs, take a deep breath. If it was a wrist or, or a shoulder, move it in Jesus' name and release your faith. And now let's all thank God together for the answer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your mighty healing power today. We thank you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's doing today what he's always done. Father, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.